Many of you probably, I don't know much of you, many of you already, so I'll, I'd like to reintroduce myself. My name is uh, Pastor Danny. I, I was uh, a partner of Pastor Song when we started CCFLA about eight years ago, Pastor? Seven. Seven years ago. And um, of course, um, we have been um, directed by God to go back to the Philippines because Pastor Peter, um, together with the CCF Beyond group, asked me to um, do something which is very close to my heart. And the last three years have all been about uh, that. And that is what we have been doing, my wife and I. Um, it's all about intentional disciple making. It's all about that. Every member, a discipler, and every family at the group. Um, my wife and I didn't want to go to the Philippines. I mean, I didn't want to go to the Philippines. Uh, why should you? It's nice to stay here in the U.S. with all of these uh, wonderful people around you. But, but because God, I think, wanted me to do something which is very close to his heart and has become so close to my heart as well, we decided to go. And we know that it was not going to be easy because uh, doing something a major change that I believe in the Christian life is something that most people don't like. You agree? People don't like change. And I told God, God, we don't like to go, but if, but if, but if you will be with us and be the one to open the door, to show us exactly how it's going to be done, sige, we will go. And it's been three years, and I would like to share with you that God has been so faithful to, to be able to uh, uh, use me and my wife to communicate something so basic and so simple in the Christian life, which many, many Christians today actually are missing out. And I told God, God, if I hit a wall, send me back here. So will you welcome me back if I'm back? Okay. If I hit a wall. But so far in the last three years, God has been so faithful. We've been to the Middle East. We've been to New Zealand. We've been to Australia. And everywhere we go, I, we can just see the presence of God open the minds and the eyes of people about disciple making. And what I will share with you this morning is something related to that. Ever since I said, I told God, God, I will be given an opportunity to speak about your word. I'm going to speak about this and this alone. I'm going to talk about disciple making as the way to make Christianity simple. You know, we've complicated Christianity so much. You know, we've, we've, we've been opening ourselves to many, many things that we think that the more we know, the more we go deep in our Christian life. You know, young people, you know, your desire to go deep and to, 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 do, to know many things, that's good. But please, as you get to know many, many more things, keep Christianity simple. Because the more you complicate Christianity, the more you drift away from it. And many Christians are drifting away. And my passion is to be able to share with you what exactly we need to know to be able to become the kind of Christians that we ought to be. So, um, again, every time you give me an opportunity, I will sound like a broken record. I'm going to talk about making Christianity simple and what it takes to make it simple. Do I have your permission? Yes. So, actually, last week, uh, Pastor 
Pastor Insong told me that I'm going to talk about the resurrection. Remember, those of you who are here, he said, Danny was resurrected. Okay, so he's going to talk about the resurrection. Okay? So, being an obedient, obedient and humble leader, I, I told him, okay, I'm going to talk about the resurrection. So, I, I, I told myself, why, why am I going to talk about the resurrection? It's Christmas. Okay, it's not even Easter. So, I said, well, you know, God impressed upon me that, you know, resurrection is really a generic or a good term, which means revival, which means rising up from the dead, which means reigniting you. So this morning, I'd like to reignite you, if you don't mind, okay? Some of you are already looking dead, so I need to reignite you, okay? Look at the person next to you and say, hey, live! Live! All right, so... This morning, I'm going to talk about reigniting. By the way, Prince, which Oakland are you talking about? Oakland, New Zealand, or Oakland? Huh? Ah, San Francisco. Malapit lang pala. ko, Oakland, New Zealand. And he flew, okay, from New Zealand. No, reigniting passion and um, loving God. You know, we need to resurrect ourselves. We need to reignite ourselves. And this morning, I'm going to talk about reigniting love for God. Reigniting loving God. Because we think we love God. Many Christians think they love God, honestly. If I ask you the question, do you love God? Your immediate answer will be, yes. If I tell you, prove it. Oh, that's a different story. Okay. Loving God. Because loving God is the greatest command. It's part of the greatest command. And obeying the greatest commandment, believe me, if you obey the greatest commandment, Seriously and truly, you'll be able to reignite your love for God and therefore your ability to love others like Christ. I will repeat. What the world needs today is loving others like Christ. Until we learn to love Christ like Christ, we will never be able to impact the lost world out there. And if we cannot love like Christ, there's something missing. The basic thing that is missing is this. We're no longer loving God as we should. And that's why I want to talk about that. This is the what. The what of what this message is all about is this. I want you to reignite your passion for loving God and therefore to love others like Christ. Um, And like what Pastor Peter said, the what is not as important as the why. Until you understand the why, you will never be able to do the what. And so, this morning, I want us to take a look at the word to understand the why. Why don't we all stand up and read scriptures? Let's start with the greatest commandment in Matthew 22, 36 to 39. And then let's read together, shall we? Go. These are the greatest commandments that God wants us to obey. And as you're standing there, I hope that you're making a resolve in your heart to ask yourself the question, are we obeying this? Then let's continue. Connected to love. If you love me, continue. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. If you love me, you will obey my 
I, I decided to put the same verse with different versions to see that the word keep is the same as the word obey. And if you want to know if you love God, God says, if you love me, you will obey my commandments. Simple. And then I want to talk about Romans 8, 28 to 29. Go. Okay, so if you love God, a lot of things can happen. I'm trying to make you understand the why. Why should we love God? Romans 8, 28, 29 says a lot. We're going to talk about this. And then I'm going to, I want to talk to you about love. 1 Corinthians 13, uh, uh, 1 Corinthians 13, 4 to 8. Let's go. Love. its own, is not provoked, does not take into account a wrong suffered, does not rejoice in unrighteousness, but rejoices in truth, bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things, love never fails. Wow, love never fails. And then I will go to my favorite passage that I always share with people because this is what makes Christianity, Christian, Christian life simple. Philippians 2, 3 to 8, be like Christ. Go, do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility of mind, regard one another as more important than yourself. Have this attitude in yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus who although existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself, taking the form of a bond servant and being made in the likeness of man. And being found in the appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. Shall we pray? God, thank you for your word, its simplicity and its depth. God, we we ask for your, for your love right now because we know you, you love us and the problem is many times with us because we don't respond the way we should, which is to love you back. Would you let your words, your, your spirit steer us out from where we are to really understand why we should love you? Not just parrot or say that we love you, but Understand why we should love you so that we will really, really love you, Lord, with all of our hearts, with all of our soul, with all of our might, with all of our strength. Because that's what we need to be able to live this impossible Christian life. Open our eyes, Lord, and I pray that you'll be the one to teach your people. Just use my lips, my mouth, my heart, and my whole being because I have nothing to offer apart from you. So, Lord, just, just be the one to teach your people. Transform us to become lovers of you, committed to you, as, as we have sung this morning, uh, running to your arms, running to your arms, Lord. We, we want to run to your arms because we love you. And we know that you're going to open your arms and embrace us because you love us. Thank you, Lord. Change us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Please be seated. 
It's uh, 10.30, so you should give me an hour at least, please. Okay? I have this tendency to talk a lot. So, Alex, please bear with me. Okay? Um, let me start. Thesis. Many Christians do not really love God as he commands. As you're seated there, ask yourself the question. Are you one of these Christians who say they love God, but they do not really love God? Why? I submit to you, like what Pastor Peter shared last week, they've lost their first love, just like the Christians in the church of Ephesus. They've lost their first love. They've, they've had a wonderful experience with God, but over time, it just faded. And you begin to wonder, does that happen? It does. A lot of Christians today just pay lip service to loving God, but they don't actually love God anymore. And Jesus said, I have this against you. You loved me before, but how come you don't love me now? But, but Lord, I, I, I go to church. I, I go to Bible studies. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you don't understand what love means then. How? Um, I think the reason why many Christians have lost their first love is because they have not really known, they have not really experienced uh, God to love Him. God is such a, I don't know, a remote being. Uh, you know He's so powerful, but he, is He that personal and close to you? I mean, have you really, have you really seen how, like what Pastor Insong was saying, the door opening and the dominoes falling? Do you really actually see that? You know, many times God gives us challenges in life for us to see His presence. You know, Telma, if God heals you, that is God's presence in your life. And many times God gives us challenges to shake us up because He sees that we're no longer interested about what He can do, but we're more interested about what the world offers. And many times, he gives us challenges because he wants us to see that he loves you. And that if you just come to him and run to him, he will be able to deliver you. And that is what I call experiencing the love of God and the presence of God. Many of us are so busy with doing the things of the world already that we forget that there is a God who's, who wants to be intimate with us and who wants to have experience with us. And I submit to you, the reason why you don't love God as much is because you're no longer experiencing Him. You're no longer experiencing the door opening. You know, you're no longer experiencing the way things are moving in such a way that you see that there is a great God and wow, this God loves me. You need to experience God. You need to know and you have to feel what God is doing in your life. Or this. They never really loved God in the first place because they were never saved. You understand what I'm saying? There are so many Christians today, Christians, why do you call them CEO? They only go to church on Easter and Christmas? And you call yourself a Christian? I'm sorry. I don't think God recognizes them as Christian. And yet they insist, we're Christians. Wow. Why do you think they go on Christmas and on Easter? Because they get invited. Because after that, they will have dinner, right? Or, or lunch. You know, really? And, and, and they say they're Christians. 
And this kind of people will never love God in the first place. Why? Because they, they were never saved. And they are just there going through the motion. Hey, this is hard stuff. And I, I, I ask for your forgiveness if you um, get stared, okay? So for us, true Christians, we need re reigniting. If you are here, and I know you're here because you're called by God, and we're all Christians, we're all children of God, hey, this is for us. We need reigniting our passion. We need reigniting our love for God so that we will be able to love others. You know, Pastor Peter shared last week that love, loving like Christ, starts here, starts on the cross. He shared that we will never be able to understand how to love others until we understand how God loved us first, and we will never be able to understand loving God until we understand how much God loves us and gave himself up for us on that cross. The most painful, excruciating kind of sacrifice he had to go through just to show you that he loves you and me. Wow. And until you understand the cross, you will never be able to understand why you should love God. In his message, the application point that Pastor Peter gave is this. Love like Jesus. Remember? See, you don't even remember what Pastor Peter talked about last week. You remember, I think, uh, uh, the ulam you ate last night, okay, but uh, not the message. I'm just kidding. Love like Jesus. Why? You know, loving like Jesus, folks, loving like Jesus is not easy. It is the kind of love that the world needs today. It is the solution to the lack of Christian impact on the world today. Maybe you, you're not aware of it because, you know, we are in North America and life is good. But if you take a look at a hard look at what's happening to the Christian churches today, they are struggling. They're struggling. And, many, and every time I hear um, CCF opening a church in Cerritos, opening a church in Riverside, I get excited. You know, did you know that we already have about 30 satellites all over the world now and going strong? Okay, and, but that's not happening to other churches. Other churches are closing. While we are opening, the other churches are closing. Net, net, what's happening? No gain. In fact, we're even losing. Why? Because of the lack of loving like Jesus. You know, remember, remember the present day problem that Pastor Peter shared last week in his message? He said, many Christians today are Louder. Many Christians today are not Christ-like. They claim to be Christians. They go to church. They go to Bible studies. They go through the motions. But according to Pastor Peter, many Christians today are not Christ-like. Maybe, maybe that's not happening in CCF. That's happening to some other parts. But I hope we also examine ourselves. What else? Even professing church-going Christians are not Christ-like. And if they're not Christ-like, I'm sorry, they cannot love like Jesus. According to Pastor Peter, according to the scriptures, you can only love like Jesus if you are Christ-like. Siempre, how can you love like Jesus if you are not like Jesus? You can only love like Jesus because you are Christ-like. And the greatest commandment, apparently, love God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and then love others, is not impacting the world is not impacting non-Christians, not because 
it is ineffective, but because simply because many Christians are not obeying it. So we're here to reignite our passion to obey the command. Right? Why? Guys, let's be burdened by, you know, every time I, every time I hear elevate, I get excited. So young people, uh, the young people here, thank you for being here. I hope you're here not because you're being forced to be here, but I hope you're here because, you know, um, DJ, DJ, you know, um, the Word of God is very important and you're the future of the church. You're laughing because, you know, we, we don't want this to you, happening to you. The young Christians are giving up their Christian faith according to the statistics of the world today. They are leaving the church in droves. George, what's the meaning of droves? Okay, he doesn't even know what droves mean. Droves is the past tense of drives. Okay? You kidding me? Okay? They're leaving the church in droves. I don't know why. The young people today, when they reach 18, when they go to college, when they leave the house, they forget about their faith. They give up their faith, and you begin to wonder why. They're leaving the church in droves. Look at, the def- look at the way the young people are characterized today. Look at the, the way they're described. And I hope that this is not you. I'm looking at the young people right now. Where are, where are your children? Wilma. Okay. Where's June? Oh, it's not here. Okay. Playing golf. Okay, good. Okay. Look at the young people. Okay. The young people. The least religious group in American history. Can you believe that? The young people today are the least religious group. Oh, not with Elevate CCF, okay? Definitely not. Right, guys? Oh, uh, right, guys? Yes, okay? Look at what look, statistics is saying. 65% rarely attend church. 70% say church is irrelevant. Oh, my goodness. What kind of Christianity will come from this kind of children? I'm telling you right now, we have a problem. Houston, we have a problem. And we have to start addressing this. Otherwise, bye-bye Christianity. They're, they're not interested, period. And they're going away. We're not going to let these people go away. You know, I am a dad. I am not a perfect dad. I confess to you, to this day, I still struggle to be a good dad. And every time I'm confronted with this reality, I lay it squarely on my heart. I said, God, I am responsible for my children. If my children are not where they are today, I'm not going to give up. I'm still going to reach out to them and do my part. Guys, for as long as you're breathing, there's hope. And you, parents of the people who are here, the millennials who are here, please, look at me. Don't let CCF disciple them. You be the one to take care of them and have a relationship with them to make sure that they don't go away. Because the church is just a helping hand. You will be the one to make sure that these people remain, these young people remain Christians today. You know, folks, we are losing our children right before our eyes. Why? Because of poor Christian influence. When our children go home, When they look at what's going on at home, what will they see? Will they see people loving like Jesus? Or will they see people who are not practicing their Christian life 
what will they see? Will they see authenticity or will they see hypocrisy? Ouch. The millennials are very simple. They want authenticity. Right, TJ? Authenticity. They want you to be as you are. The moment you become hypocritical, believe me, they'll be the first person to shut up and will not even listen to you anymore. And don't be surprised why your children sometimes are just like robots. Are you okay? Yeah. Are you okay? Yeah. Are you going to eat? No. Are you going to go? Yes or no? Yes or no? Okay. You know why? Because we fail to connect and we fail to be able to influence them properly. Poor connection. While Christianity is the answer to the present social disorder, Christianity is the solution to the world's problem today. Maybe you're not interested because you're, you have your own problems anyway. Pastor Danny, I have so many problems already. Will I bother about the, the situation of the world? Hey, whether you like it or not, you're part of the community. And if you're part of the community, sooner or later, your children will be affected if you don't do anything about this. We will all be affected. While Christianity is the answer to the present social disorder, it is not proving so because it is not practiced truly and fully. In other words, again, Christians are not Christ-like. So, we need to save the youth, guys, right? Hello? We need to save the world, right, Wilma? Oh, you're not interested, okay? <laughs> I, I have something to cook later, pa eh, okay? Kakain pa sila. Ang dami ko pa kayang gagawin, okay? Oh, come on, folks. If we Christians can't do it, then it's time for the Justice League of America to take over, Okay? <laughs> You know, I was in Alhambra. I was watching a movie. Six dollars, okay? And I didn't realize that they were recruiting uh, part of the Justice League. And I was there and they spotted me, okay? <laughs> and they, 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 they really saw my potential. And they called me Atom Man, okay? <laughs> they recruited me. I said, I said, what are you recruiting me for? You know, we want to save the world. Because there is this monster who's trying to, to capture the attention of many people and destroying the world. And there is this box that we should be looking for. He said, if you cannot connect to what I'm talking about, you are too old, okay? <laughs> you know, and then he said, recruit me for what? To save the world? And you know, I look at them straight in the eye and said, neck, neck, new. Okay? <laughs> okay? You know why? Because Christ is the only solution to the world's problem. Yeah, say loud amen to that. Yeah. Christ is the solution to the world's problem. But since Christianity, the Christians are not Christ-like, then it's proving, not proving to be the solution. We are the solution, but we are the problem at the same time because we are not proving Christ-like. The lack of Christian maturity limits, it limits the agape Loving like Christ way that we should love the world to show them Christ. The need today, folks, is this. Love like Jesus. Love like Jesus. If we want to impact and save the world, the young people, the people around us, we need to love like Jesus. This is the kind of love the world needs. And I call this the agape love. Agape love. It is our continuing commitment towards imperfect people to seek their highest good, which often involves sacrifice. Pastor Peter keeps repeating this. If you tell me you are loving, 
then you have to be committed to love the imperfect people. Look at the person next to you. Perfect ba yan? Huh? Okay, oh, mukhang perfect, ano? Mukhang perfect, di ba? Pag perfect, no problem. Eh, pag imperfect, di ba? If it's imperfect, you have to be committed to seek their highest good. And to me, this is the missing act of Christians to others. If only Christians would be able to love the agape way, to love and seek the highest good of the people, then I think we will be able to reach and change the world. Otherwise, we will continue to be the problem. And here in CCF, we're so blessed to have so many loving people. Amen? No, even in golf, for example, I, I played golf the other day. You know, the people, the, 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 my, 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 you know, my golf buddies are so loving like Christ. You know why? Because, because they are committed to seek the highest good of the imperfect people around them, often involving sacrifice. Like, for example, I asked Alvin, Alvin, I have not been playing so much. You know, you're such a good player. If you love me, you will give me strokes, okay? <laughs> you know, giving strokes means partida in, in golf, okay? And then he looked at me, and then he, he, he looked at me again. He said, Sige uh, okay, see? I love you, bro. <laughs> and because of that, he lost. <laughs> and I call that sacrifice. Seriously, even June, June is not here. June is the best player we have in our, in our, in our team. But June, it's so unengaging that, that you know, we tell him, why don't you join us? Why don't you give me 4-4, four, four, okay? If Alvin gives me 1-1, one, one, June gives me 4-4. Four, four. Can you imagine who's the better player? You know, I, I am just saying this with you guys because, you know, even in the simple act of golf, you can love like Jesus. And, you know, June closed his eyes and said, Sige, pastor, kung saan ka masaya, okay? <laughs> and as a result, he lost again. And you know who won? The selfish people like Edwin and me. Oh my goodness. If only we can love like Jesus. If only we can sacrifice even if it's painful. Believe me, we will be able to impact even the most difficult, selfish people around you. Amen? This is the love that the Apostle Paul speaks of in 1 Corinthians 13. You want to you know what love is? Boy, you haven't, you, you haven't seen what love is. The moment I show you what love is, you will, you, will, you will shudder and quiver and say, wow, no wonder I cannot love. 1 Corinthians says, love is patient. Can you imagine? How many times have I asked Alvin to give me plus? Ikaw na naman, sasabihin niya sa akin. Pagkalaro kita, sumasabog ako, sabi niya. But you know, he still plays with me. That's patience. That's kindness. He gives one, one. He gives two, two. Later, Edwin, I'm going to ask him to give me three. He's going to give me four, I think. And then he will tell me, neck, neck mo, okay? Oh, man. Love does not brag. It's not arrogant. does not act unbecomingly. My goodness, if you put yourself in this, put your name. Put your name here. Danny is patient. Ooh, ouch. Grace is kind. I like that, okay? 
You can go on, put your name in there, and you will realize, wow, this is hard. This is impossible. But this is the kind of love that the world needs. And this is the kind of love that God is asking us to give others out there so that we will be able to reach and bring them here for Christ. Love never fails, it says there. And if you love like Jesus, believe me, if you love like Jesus, you will never fail. Never. And loving, this love never fails to bless this love never fails to bring the greatest delight and joy to others so that they will get, you will be able to get their attention and bring them to the gospel of Christ. If you don't get the attention of people, why will they listen to you when you share the gospel? But if you are loving like Christ, believe me, you'll be able to get their attention. And that's why I really believe the golfers, the golfers can share the gospel. All we have to do is to stand there in the middle of the course and say, I'll give you 5-5. Five, five. I'll give you 10-10. Ten, ten. Let's fight, okay? And I think they will say, really? Okay? You know, because that is to me an expression of sacrifice. Si Mang Tony is the recipient of our love. He gets the biggest plus, okay? And one of these days he will say, because I love you, I will not ask for plus anymore, Okay? Uh, Alvin, okay na, okay. Agape love. It is continuing commitment towards imperfect people to seek their highest good. Wow. Often involving sacrifice. This is the kind of love that the world needs. What would Jesus do? Have you seen Jesus doing this? Have you seen Jesus, you know, hitting people back? No. This is not the way Jesus would do it. Jesus would embrace you and forgive you and even say, forgive them for they do not what they're doing. Diba? I can almost hear Alvin saying that yesterday or rather the other day when we were playing. Lord, he doesn't know what he's doing. I'll just give him two, two, okay? <laughs> and you know, these are the kind of people will, that will impact the people out there. Most Christians today are not loving others like Jesus loves others. The lack of Christ-likeness is the main reason why Christians cannot agape love Christ. The reason why we cannot love others like Jesus, the sacrificial way is because, I submit to you, you don't love God. Did you hear me? I can talk as much as possible about loving others like Jesus and tell you what it looks like, but you will never be able to do it unless you understand that the key to that is you must love God first. Question. Why the lack of Christian maturity among Christians? Why the lack of Christ-likeness among Christians resulting in the lack of being able to love others like Christ? I, I, will, I will paraphrase that. The reason why people cannot love like Christ today is because they're not Christ-like. They're not Christ-like mature. So the question is, why are they not Christ-like mature? Answer, many Christians have lost their first love for God and do not love God as they ought to be or ought to love God. 
Let me share with you. Not loving God or pretending to love God and you actually don't love God has bad consequences. And they have collateral damages. Holding hands, okay? Continue holding hands. I love to see. No, really? This is love. I appreciate you, brother. Okay, come on. Hold, hold, hold. Because if you don't love her, there is collateral damage. Do you know that? Okay, that's why you love. We see the collateral damage all over us. Just look around you. Look around you. Look around you. Do you see damages? Oh, look around you. Hmm. Do you see bandages? Okay. Do you see people aching and are not just talking because they're actually affected by the way we behave and are insensitive to it? That's why I appreciate you when you hold your hand, her hand like that. See? You know, husbands, can you hold the hands of your... Oh, yan, okay. Uh, if, if, if she's not your wife, don't hold her hand, okay? Hmm. Reasons, reasons why Christians today are not loving God. There are two reasons. And this is what I'm going to dwell on. I want you to see why you don't love God. And when you understand it, I want you to make a resolve to say, I'm going to address that, and I'm going to start loving God today. Because if I understand the value of loving God, I think this world will change. And Christians will not be the flatline Christians that we ought to be. Dalawang kamay, Brad. Dalawang kamay. Dalawang kamay, Brad. Yan! 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 Okay? You see... Kanina, one hand. He doesn't understand the love of God yet. But when he understands the love of God, two hands na yan. Okay? Okay? Very good. Sorry, bro. I mean, you know, I don't mean to put you on the spot, but you're right here in the middle. First, reason. First, why Christians today don't love God? First reason. Many of us don't know the value and the benefits of loving God to pursue rekindling our supreme love for God. If I show you the great value and the great benefit of loving God, will you love God? Why are you holding your hand? Because you see value to it, right? If the moment you lose, pasensya ka na, ikaw nandito eh. At saka yung mata ko, hanggang dito lang eh. Okay? The moment you fail to see the value of loving her, believe me, you will never hold her hand. But the moment you see how valuable and benefit she is to you, you will embrace her, cherish her, and hold her. I want you to see the benefit. And second, for those of you who know the benefit already, there is something missing. You lack the vim. I'm going to explain that later. Vim. It's called energy, the vim. So let's talk about it first. The value and benefits of loving God. Christians, let's love God. Why? Because if you love God, 
you will become Christ-like mature. Definitely. Ah, that's not too exciting, Pastor. Oh, really, bear with me. If you love God, you will become Christ-like mature to love others like Jesus and to win them for Christ. Now, if you're not yet in this league, maybe you're still somewhere else and not, don't even have that relationship, the basic relationship that you have with God. But I want to show you that if you love God, you will become Christ-like mature. My point is this. There is a direct connection. There is a direct connection between loving God and becoming Christ-like. So, if you look at yourself and you see yourself not becoming Christ-like now, you don't love God. But if you're becoming Christ-like, you know what? It's evident, positive evidence, or rather evidence that you love God. There is a connection. So Christians, I challenge you, reignite your love for God. Because if you love God and you reignite your love for God and you understand why you should love God, then you will really, really work on seeking, finding how to love God even more. How? To me, very simple. First, know. Know that loving God with all your heart, your mind, your soul, and your strength. With everything that you've got. Many Christians only love God with their head, their minds. Why? Because we pastors keep telling you, love God, love God. You read the Bible, love God. You know it in your head. But many Christians do not love God with all of their heart, with all of their soul, with all of their mind and their strength because they have not tasted and experienced God. Telma, when you see the hand of God, you will never let go of God. I've seen the hand of God in my life. I was paralyzed 20 years ago. And I'm walking. Every time I wake up in the morning, I keep telling my friends, these legs are stiff. And every morning, God reminds me, I made you walk. I made you walk. And believe me, every morning I see the abiding presence of God. And for many Christians, until you see the way God moves specifically in your life, you will never be able to love God and understand the love of God. And you will never be able to love God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind. Loving God with all of your heart has great consequences. It has collateral great blessings, foremost of which is becoming like Christ. I, I, I like you to understand this. God wants to give you many blessings. But to me, now I understand. The greatest blessing that God can give you is to make you Christ-like. Ha! Huh, really? Wow. Uh, I want you to understand that. Loving God starts with knowing that God loved you first. Okay? You know, God loved you first. And by the way, God chose you. Of all the many people in the world, He chose you to become His child. And I call that election. He chose you, and I call that divine election. And what's the point of that? Let me share with you the value of that. He loved you first. Among all the billions of people here on earth, He chose you. And the reason why you're here is because He chose you. 
The reason why you're here with us is because God is directing you to become Christ-like, actually. And He is calling the shots, and He chose you. He elected you. God's elected, God, God love, God's love elected and chose us to be His children. And because of that, He predestined us to live eternally in heaven. And I call that wow. And on top of that, mm, that's heaven. But what about now? On top of that, He added all what Romans 8, 28 and 29 promised for the here and now. And I want you to take a look at Romans 8, 28 to 29. If you are chosen by God because God loved you first, did you know that this verse is only for those whom God loved and God chose? It says, for we know that God causes all things to work together for good. Not for everybody. For those who? For those who? Those who love God and are called according to His purpose. So, I look at you now. And I ask you, are there things in your life that you want God to cause to work together for good? Amen? And if God is not causing that to work together for good, there's something wrong. Many Christians are waiting and waiting and waiting. And many times they cannot wait and they, they go ahead of God. And folks, there's, it's useless to wait, by the way. If you don't love God, it's not going to happen. Only when you love God that God says, God causes all things to work together for good. My brother Albin was diagnosed with something in his, in his brain uh, like last time, right, Albin? And when God delivered him from that, I heard that he was never the same. He's a changed man. You know, when God causes all things to work together for good, believe me, you will never be the same. The question is, is God causing all things to work together for good in your life? Or are you just hoping and hoping and hoping and hoping and nothing happens? The only time that God will cause all things to work together for good, I'm sorry, is if you love God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind. So if you're not loving God now, please, this is not for you. And so you ask yourself today, God, have you chosen me? You know, most probably he did. Most probably you're here because God elected you and chose you. And he's just stirring you up here to make him, or to remind you that you need to move. You need to understand that you need to love him and respond to his love by becoming Christ-like. And if you're not becoming Christ-like, then you are not responding to the love that God is giving to you. And you know why you should love God? Because he said, hey, I'm going to cause all things to work together for good for you. And it's not a, it's not a joke. My wife and I saw that. You know, uh, a, lot of, a lot of worse things happened to us here in L.A. Bad things, okay? When, when my wife and I came to the U.S. eight years ago, ten years ago now, you know, we were so confident about being able to do a good, a, a good uh, life here. You know, because why? I was arrogant. I was proud. I was just simple mayabang. Okay? I don't need the U.S. I came here, you know, and just to bring my children. Okay? That's arrogance. What did God do? I went into business. Everything went sour. Okay? I went from one business to another. You know, nothing was working. I lost a lot of money. 
And we even sold our house in West Covina to be able to pay off debts. Why? I'm a pastor for crying out loud. Yeah, you're a pastor, but you're an arrogant person and you don't love me, God said. Ouch! You know, when I understood that principle, I said, you can never, never, never get rid of the principles of God. But he added something on verse 29. I will show you, okay, if you really are mine. Number one, I'm going to cause all things to work together for good because you love me, and I called you according to his purpose. What's this purpose? Okay, the purpose is this. For those whom he saved, those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to become conformed to the image of his son. Ah, predestined to become conformed to the image of his son. What is that? I call that Christ-likeness. So if you love God, okay, if you love God, then you are saved. If you love God, then he will cause all things to work together for good, and it's an indication that you have responded to his first love. And if you love God, then he's not going to stop. He's going to do something to you for sure, which is verse 29. Young people, if you really are saved, it's not about the deeper, deeper, deeper biblical knowledge that you know. It's about being Christ-like. If you're not becoming transformed to the image of his son, I'm sorry. You have to ask yourself the question, God, have you chosen me? God, have you saved me? And it goes for us old people. If we are not becoming Christ-like, if we're not becoming the kind of Christians that we ought to be, conformed to the image of His Son, then there's something wrong. Maybe we didn't love God in the first place. Maybe we were never called in the first place. Maybe He never chose us. I'm just saying this with you to just double-check who we are and where we are. Loving God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, makes us Christ-like for sure. Verse 29, predestined. What does predestined mean? It's going to happen whether you like it or not, right? Hawakan mo. Tignayo mo na. Hawakan mo, Brad. Okay. Yan, 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 yan. Okay. All the way. Okay. With all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind. Okay. Predestined. Christ-likeness is God's predestined will. God saved you, Mike, to become Christ-like. Simple. He saved you for the purpose of making you Christ-like. Period. Many Christians only like to go to heaven. They accept Christ because they want to go to heaven. Between now and heaven, what do they do? God. Leave me alone, God. No, 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 no. Between now and heaven, God will make you Christ-like. Because that is His purpose for you. Meaning what? Whether you like it or not, you will become Christ-like. Question, why do you think God chose Christ-likeness as his design for us? I asked these questions three years ago, and it became so clear to me. And when I found the answer, I said, God, I'm going to pursue Christ-likeness like I've never pursued before. You know why? Because Christ-likeness pleases God the most. What pleases you about him? Diba? Brad, hindi magpapahawak ng kamayan kung hindi please sa'yo. You know, God is pleased, so pleased with a Christ-like. You know, Jesus, when he was baptized, 
you hear a voice from heaven saying, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. Ah, and then I said, the more I become like Christ, the more God is pleased with me. And if God is pleased with me, what do you think God will do to me? Huh? He's going to be with you all the time, isn't it? You, 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 you have someone that you're happy and pleased with, guys? You do, right? What do you want to do with that person? You want to stay with that person all the time. In fact, you want to hold the hand. Oh, tinanggal mo na naman. Okay? Okay? Yan, okay? Diba? Look, uh, if you like someone, if you're pleased with that someone, you want to stay with that someone. And if God is pleased with you, He's going to pursue you. He's going to be with you. You cannot, sh- you cannot shake Him off. And believe me, if you are with God, and if God is with you, nothing is impossible. Everything is possible. Why is Christ's likeness most pleasing to God? Why? I ask myself, bakit? Why, why is Christ's likeness most pleasing to God? What is it, what, what is Christ's likeness all about that arouses the greatest pleasure in God? By the way, if, if you love God, He will make you Christ-like. And if He makes you Christ-like, He will be pleasing to God. But what, what is it about Christ's likeness? You know, my often repeated question is this. You want to know what Christ-likeness is all about? You have to ask yourself the question, what does Christ-likeness mean at its very root and what does it look like? Look at the person next to you. Look at yourself. Take a selfie of yourself and then ask yourself, Christ-like ba? O matatawa ka? hindi. Okay. You know, I blend humor with serious stuff because this, this, is, this is shocking. If you look at yourself in the mirror, will you see Christ? Or will you see a selfish, proud, arrogant, irritable, impatient, complaining person? Ouch. What is it about Christ-likeness? That when you look at yourself in the mirror, you will see that you're Christ-like. How do you know if one is Christ-like and pleasing to God? Indeed. The Bible is clear on what and how Christ-likeness looks like. As we look at the Bible, please note, please note, only Christ-like Christians can love other people like Jesus. Loving, Loving like Christ is what your family needs. Can you imagine if everyone in your family members are loving like Jesus? What will happen to your family? It can be the best family you can ever have. Alex, believe me. And the reason why our families are struggling today is because not all of us are loving like Jesus. And the reason why we're not loving like Jesus is because, sorry, we're not Christ-like. And we don't even know what Christ-likeness looks like. And the reason why we're not Christ-like is because we don't love God in the first place. So if you love God, guaranteed, you'll become Christ-like. And you become Christ-like, you will know what Christ-likeness looks like and you will be able to measure it, to measure it, to measure it and live it every day with your family to be able to make your family the kind of family that it should be. Families, Christ-like, put them all together. You will have a church that's Christ-like. Churches, Christ-like, put them all together. You will have a community that is Christ-like. Communities, Christ-like, put them all together. You will have a nation that's Christ-like. It starts at home. 
Let's see and compare Christ-likeness with love. If you are Christ-like, you can love like Christ. Let's compare the two. You know, I discovered something. I discovered something that love and Christ-likeness is one and the same. They're two sides of one coin. Let's take a look at Christ-likeness first. Me and my wife, we recite this every day because this is Christ-likeness. And I challenge you, if you want to become like Christ, live this out. Do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility of mind, regard one another as more important than yourself. Do not merely look out for your own interests, but also for the interests of others. Can you imagine if your mindset is always like this? Young people, you know, your parents love you. But can you imagine if you just, just, just take this posture, every time you wake up, your parents are important, your brother and your sister are important. Wow! And parents, when you wake up, or husband, when you wake up, okay, the wife is more important than anything else. Wife, when you wake up, the husband is more important than anything else. I, I can just imagine the beautiful result, isn't it? So, you don't look out for your own personal interest, but for the interest of others. That's Christ-like. Selfless and humble. So, if you take a look at yourself in the mirror, are you selfless? And are you humble? What is humility? Humility is regarding other people first. All the time. You know, when I ask Alvin, Alvin, give me plus. Okay? He was so humble and say, Sige na nga, saan ka masaya? One, one. Okay? If Alvin were selfish, if Alvin were proud, he would not have given that to me. You see, I give you a simple illustration, but on a day-to-day -day living, it's more difficult because many times it demands sacrifice. It demands dying to self. It demands giving up your rights for the rights of others. If you're struggling with that, well, don't because Jesus did the same thing. That's why verse 5 says, have this attitude in yourself. It was also in Christ Jesus, who although he existed as God, he did not demand equality with God, a thing to be grasped. Instead, he emptied himself. Oh, you know what Christ-likeness looks like? Empty. Empty of yourself. When you look at yourself in the mirror, what do you see? If you're full of yourself, ang ganda ng lalaki. Hmm, guapo. Okay? Ganda. Okay? Kailangan irespeto ako ng mundo. That's not gonna work. When you look at yourself in the mirror, if you see something, empty yourself. Because Jesus emptied himself. He took the form of a bond servant and being made in the likeness of man. And being found in the appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. Folks, this is Christ-like. Two words. Simple and humble to death. Kahit ikamatay mo. Di ba? Alam mo, pag ginawa mo yan, naku, dalawang kamay. Kahalikan ka pa. Yayakapin ka pa. Papaliguan ka pa. Lahat gagawin niya para sa'yo. Okay? Sorry for the Tagalog. Uh, Cleveland, uh, uh, sino katabi mo? Can you please translate? Uh, Sharon, can you please translate to Cleveland? Okay? Alright? So, only the selfless and humble people to the point of death can, only the people who are selfless and humble can most certainly love others sacrificially 
and unconditionally like Christ. Conversely, selfish and proud people, hmm, the unsaved and the worldly, cannot and will not love the first Corinthians agape way. Look, love is patient, love is kind. Oh, you know, if you're proud, if you're selfish, you can never be patient. Right? Only humble people, selfless people are patient. Only kind people, only humble and selfless people are kind. They will give two, two, poor, poor. Okay? Si Alvin namimilipit na. Okay? They don't brag. They're not arrogant. See? Arrogance. What's arrogance? Pride. See, the way love is described here, to me, as I was reading it, I, I, I am just shocked. I said, God, love is Christ-like. Love is selfless. Love is humble. Everything about selfishness or selflessness and humility is in love. And my conclusion was this. They're the two sides of one coin. If this is agape love, humility and selflessness and Christ-like is there. And I submit to you, you cannot love unless you're a humble, selfless person. But who are we by default? Who are we naturally? What did Satan make of us naturally? Selfish, proud people. Sinful people, right? You know? If you did not get to know Christ, believe me, you're like the rest of the world. Look at what the rest of the world is doing. They demand rights. Me first. My right. I am entitled to what the government is giving me. Everything is about selfishness and pride. And so, when they look at us, and if they see the same thing in us, what's the difference? Why should I be a Christian? But if we, the Christians, do the opposite, and we love like Jesus because we are patient, we're kind, we're not bragging, we're, we're, we're not unbecoming, we, we do all things that are different from what the world is doing, then I really believe we will be able to get their attention to be able to witness the truth with them. Do you have people around you in the office that you need to share the gospel with? Or let's put it this way, do you have family members who are not yet saved? Amen? Amen. Then I think it's about time to practice love like Jesus to them and start behaving selfless and humble towards them until you die. Because Jesus died doing it. You know, the more you become Christ-like, selfless and humble, from being dark, shades of gray unto becoming really really white like christ believe me only then can you love others so they will know christ and guys if this is the way we behave we are christ-like first and then we love others believe me this pleases god so much and if it pleases god so much because you love god you become christ again you cannot become christ unless you start recognizing that he loved you first and that he is your Savior and your Lord. Until you understand that, you cannot become Christ-like because Christ-likeness is the result of that. And when you become Christ-like, believe me, you'll be able to love others. And when you love others, you'll be able to become pleasing to God. Do you see the cycle? Do you see the dynamics? You know, on the other hand, if you fail to love, there is a degenerative cycle. You call that the death cycle. But if you start loving others and then God is pleased with you, then you will love God and you will have a what? A cycle that is going up and it's progressive it's a vicious cycle if you don't love it's a gracious cycle if you love is what I'm saying pleases God and when God is pleased with Christ like people who agape love others to share Christ with them 
What does he do? You know, what does he do? I have so many stories. And I want all of us to, became, to become the channel of many stories of what God will do to selfless and humble people like you and me. You haven't seen God yet. And the reason why you don't love God is because you have not tasted the way God loves you if he's pleased with you. Why? I don't know with you. It's between you and God. Maybe you're not obeying God. Maybe there's something that God is asking you to do that you're not doing it. Because the love language of God is very simple. If you love me, you'll obey me. So if you're not obeying him, you're not loving him. And if you're not loving him, you're not becoming Christ-like. You see the vicious cycle? And please, don't be surprised why you're in a mess. You seem to be in, a, in, in, in the wilderness. You know why? Because you're not doing what you're supposed to do to obey what God is telling you to do. But on the other hand, if you're becoming Christ-like and loving others like Christ, what does he do? I don't know with you. God makes his abiding presence evident to the selfless and humble Christ-like people. And you know what abiding presence of God means? You know what presence of God means? I experience this personally, and I want you to experience this personally. What is that? Here. It is rest, favor, and distinction. You like that? How many of you like to be rested? Hola. Okay. It's okay. You like to work. You like to get three jobs. It's okay, it's okay, it's okay, it's okay. You know, guys, the moment you become pleasing to God, the moment you become Christ-like, God, you're like a magnet to God. And if God is with you, you're, you definitely will find rest. You'll find favor and distinction. Prince, I have only one advice for you. Be Christ-like wherever you are. And you will find rest, even though you're far away from your family. God will favor you wherever you are. And you know what? Even in that new place, you're all by yourself. You will rise above and be distinct from the rest of the world. I say that with passion because I've seen that. Nobody can outgive God. If there's one thing that people of the world needs, it is rest, favor, and distinction. What are they looking for it? They're looking at they're looking for it in the wrong places. They're looking at it from the job, from, the, from, from experience, from wealth, from friends. They're looking at it at the wrong places. But you know, if you're a Christian, you will know where you will find rest, favor, and distinction. Be Christ-like. Be pleasing to God. And God is going to be with you. Conversely, those who do not love God, God is not pleased because they remain selfish and proud. And God said, I hate the proud. God is opposed to the proud, but gives grace to the humble. I say that over and over again. If there's one thing that you need to do for you to become the arch enemy of God, just be selfish and proud, and you'll make it. And you will never amount to anything. But if you die to yourself and start thinking of others first before yourself, all the time, moment by moment, because you love like Jesus, then God is with you. And nothing is impossible with God. Those who do not seek and love God live without God. They live in God's absence. And you know what? In God's absence, there is sin and there's defeat that makes the Christian living joyless without impact. I call that flatline Christian living. 
it's unexciting. And if you're here and you think your Christian life is become so unexciting, ganito na lang ba? Simba every Sunday? Ganito na lang ba? We see birthday greetings every Sunday and then after that we eat and then we go home. Ganito na lang ba? You know, if you're reaching a point where your Christian life is becoming like that and you're looking for something deeper, deeper, and you can't find it, then you're flatlined and you don't know it. It's time for you to be revived. It's time for you to be resuscitated. And it's time for you to know the secret is you have to go back to God and love God. Worse, if you're a Christian, flatline. God chooses not to go with you. I thought that God is always with the Christian. Wrong! No! You can be a Christian, but God is not going to go with you. Did you know that? When I realized that, I said, Lord, I don't want you to ever leave me, please. Because without God, you will never be able to amount to anything. But you see, many Christians don't know this. Many churches don't know this. God chooses not to go with them. If God is not with you, you're shortchanging yourself, ladies and gentlemen. Why will, why will God go with somebody he's not pleased with? Tama ba? And he will only go with somebody who's pleased with if you're Christ-like. And if you're not Christ-like, he's not going to go with you. So he's going to remain outside. Did you know that not loving God spells collateral damages to those around you? You know, this, 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 this woke me up. Christians, listen. Don't ever think that your being a flatline Christian is acceptable. Don't ever think that you can become ordinary and let the rest be extraordinary. No. If you are the leader at home or if you are the Christian at home and you are not acting Christ-like, there's collateral damage. You will bring down your family with you, I'm telling you. Would you rather do that? Or would you rather say, no, I'm not going to make that happen. I'm not going to give the collateral damage. I would rather give rest, favor, and distinction to my family rather than damage all over. The Israelites. The Israelites were stubborn. Remember? God gave them the promised land already. How long did it take them to go to the promised land? 40 years for crying out loud. If God is with them, 40 years? No, the reason why they were wandering around the desert because God chose not to go with them. But God still kept his promise. But what's, what, what's my point? God promises you many things. But until you become Christ-like, you're delaying experiencing those promises. You understand what I'm saying? You'll just be wandering in the desert. You, God has a promised land for you. And you are not going to get there until you understand that the key is to love God with all of your heart, with all of your soul. Otherwise, you'll be wandering in the desert like the Israelites. They realize that the next rest area is 40 years. Okay? Ouch! Delayed victory? Flatline even defeated Christian for you, Christianity for you, and yes, even for your family as collateral damages. Yan, tignan mo. Tignan mo. 
Wag na wag kang magiging unchristlike sabihin mo. Okay? Yan. Okay? Kasi kasama ako dyan. Okay? Reasons. So, we finish number one. You know the value and the benefit of loving God. I hope you pursue it. Then, let's go to number two. Now that you know, you still need one more thing. You need vim. You need the means. You need the energy. Uh, but before I go that, let me just summarize. Number one, loving God is becoming what God lovingly designed you to be, Christ-like mature, that brings the highest joy and delight to others, loving others, making them one Christ. And you know what? This brings God's presence, rest, favor, and distinction. That's valuable when you love God. So let's go to number two. Number two. Here's my challenge. Know God to love God to have His abiding presence in your life. God loves you and wants you to be His child. Believe in Jesus to be saved. Transform to be Christ-like. Only the saved and those who love God can be pleasing. So, maybe before I go to number two, I need to challenge you right now. Maybe, maybe we need to take a break and ask ourselves the hard question. Do I really know God? Do I really, do I really believe in Jesus? Do I really accept, did I really accept the gospel in the first place? Because, you know, nothing is going to happen unless the first step is done. So, if you don't mind, we love you. Uh, and we don't want to take the opportunity, we don't want to miss the opportunity to remind you all over again that just because you raised your hand and accepted Christ 15 years ago, or you just stood up and prayed to receive Christ 20 years ago or 15 years ago, but if you have not become Christ-like, maybe you have not understood this principle. It's time again to say, Lord, I want to check my heart. So let's I want you to bow your heads right now. Just bow your heads. And, and, and meditate on the value of loving God. And, and think that loving God requires understanding the gospel. Believe in Jesus. Jesus is your Savior. We are sinners, and we cannot save ourselves. That's why Jesus said, I came to give you life. And I want to forgive all of your sins because... I shed my blood on the cross. And Jesus did that because the Father instructed him to do that. Because God the Father loves you and me. So why don't you just bow your head and say, God, I love you. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for sending Jesus to me. Now I want to really understand who Jesus is. That Jesus is my Savior. He alone can bring me to heaven. He alone can forgive my sins, all of my sins. And He alone can transform me to become like Him, like you. Father, with all my heart, I believe. And I don't want to take that for granted. I don't want to be a flatline Christian going through the wilderness and shortchanging myself anymore.
Instead, Lord, I want, I want to be revived. I want to be reignited. And I want to really make sure that Jesus is my Savior. Lord Jesus, I believe in you. You are my Savior. You are my Lord. Change me. Change me and make me love God the Father with all of my heart, with all of my soul, with all of my mind. If you do that, then I really believe the benefits are on their way. And we can now talk about the energy you need to be able to get there. So I want to end with this. The second reason why many Christians are not loving God is because they do not have the vim or the energy. What's vim? I start with the V, vision. I gave you the vision. Loving God brings a lot of benefits. That's a good vision. Do you like that? Do you like that? Then that's a vision to have. Yes or no? The vision. The vision to love God is to become Christ-like indeed, to be blessed by God's abiding presence, giving rest, favor, and distinction. If you like that, say amen. amen. That's vision. And when you said amen, you're intending it. You're liking it then V and I are present. The intention is there. What does intention mean? You definitely want the benefits. I don't like to become a flatline Christian. I want to influence other people for Christ. I want to become Christ. I want to become uh, selfless and humble more and more. And I, will be, I want to become pleasing to God because I want to love God and these benefits are clearly for my benefit and I'm going to do it because God loved me first. Many times, we start with selfishness. Many times, we have to see what is in it for us before we turn that selfishness into love. Believe me, you will not be able to transform selfishness into love until you start to experience the benefit and the beauty of God's presence in your life. What's the missing, num what's the missing letter? M. M means, how do we get there to the vision? Means, the means to get there. God's appointed means to love God. Hmm. So, you know the vision? You want to love God? What is the means? What is the means? Means, 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 means. If you don't do it, you're not going to get there. Right? So, the means to love God and to be Christ-like, to be most pleasing to God is very simple. Huh? Yang ka naman, Pastor Dan. Okay? Yes. Make disciples. Be a discipler. Give me another second. I'm explaining it with you. Make disciples. What does it mean? Here. Every member, a discipler. Every family, a D group. Do you think that Pastor Insong just placed this there for the sake of putting it there? No. CCF is all about this. And if we want to make Christianity simple, let's boil down everything to what it is. Because if we do this, you will love God. Ah, let me show you. Making disciples is a two-step process that results in Christ-likeness. Did you know that? Huh? There's no longer Matthew 28 here because it's Christmas. But in the Great Commission, this is what we say. You're familiar with this. Amen? Voila. Amen? Okay. Can I turn this off and you recite it? No, I think you know. It says, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations. Hey, it's a two-step process. And it results in Christ-likeness. Make disciple. What is a disciple? A follower of Christ. If you follow Christ, you will become like Christ. Did you hear me? 
If you follow someone to the letter every day, you'll become like him. Right? Monkey see, monkey do, so to speak. Right? You'll become like Christ. And what is disciple making? It is baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Step number one. Okay? Step number two. Teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. And surely I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. It's a two-step process. Step number one is salvation. That's why I stopped. I wanted you to be sure of your salvation. You cannot make disciples until the person that you're discipling is really saved. Husbands, I look at you. Are you sure that your wives are saved? Husbands, look at your wives. And then wives, look at your husbands. Ikaw nga hindi saved. Patay. Seriously. Disciple making starts with salvation. You can never disciple people who are not saved because they will never become Christ-like in the first place. No matter what kind of GLC material you go through, no matter what kind of Bible study you have, they will never become Christ-like unless and until they're saved. And then number two, teaching them to observe or to obey everything that I've commanded you. Imagine if you teach them to obey all, you know the result of that? Christ-likeness. And if you obey all, by the way, what does that prove? You prove that you love God, right? So making disciples is manifestation that you love God. And if you love God, God will make you Christ-like. And if you're Christ-like, God is pleased with you to bless you and to use you. You see the connection? Wow. And then finally, it says, surely I am with you always, even to the end of the age. I call that God's presence. Oh, making disciple is the extreme act of loving God because when you love God by making disciples, he will turn you into a Christ-like person because you are saved and you are becoming obedient to all. What's God's love language? If you love me, you'll obey me. And if you teach someone to obey all, believe me, you're proving that you love God. And if you love God, you have no choice. You will become Christ-like whether you like it or not. Exactly how does one teach another to obey all? You want to make disciples? Hello? Every single one of us should be disciple makers. Nay? As old as you are, I want you to be a disciple maker. Don't give up. Okay? Yes, very good. As old as you are, give man a big hand, okay? As young as you are, you know, you think you're young? No, you have a younger brother or a younger sister? Disciple them. There's no excuse why not every one of us are going to make disciples. How do you make disciples? You teach them to obey all after you share the gospel with them. Alright? You teach them to obey all. Telma, teach them to obey all. When Thea comes, you ask Thea, Thea, are you obeying all? If Thea says, none of your business, moms. Oh, come here. Let's sit down. Sit down. Sit down. Okay? Something is wrong. Okay? I know Thea will not say that. Okay? But you see, how exactly does one teach another to obey all? This is my favorite picture. Modeling. Modeling. You model obedience to all. I call that intentional modeling. You model, you model obedience to all. Okay? You know, in golf or in the, in the Philippines, we have many good terms like Lodi. You know what Lodi means? <laughs> Idol. Okay? Pet Malu. Okay? 
You know what pet malu means? Malupet. Okay? Model obedience to all. I call that atom hero. Okay? Okay? Remember the atom hero here? Uh-huh. You want to be an intentional discipler? Be an atom man. Model obedience to all. Guys, we need to reignite. We need to reignite loving God to love others like Christ. Because loving God has so many benefits. It will make you Christ-like mature. And the only way to be Christ-like mature is make disciples. And when you make disciples by modeling obedience to all, God is so happy. It brings in God's presence moment by moment in your life, bringing rest, favor, and distinction. Keep the flame burning. Keep the love starting. Make disciples. Make disciples. Make disciples. And I say that with a lot of passion because I'm not going to stop talking here until you make disciples. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much. It's always a privilege to be able to be with the people that you love. These are the people that we love, Lord. We started with this church, and these people are very close to us. And if there's one place that we can be, it's going to be here. And if there's one place where we can impart all of the learnings that we have, it will be these people. God, as you have shown us what it means to be Christ-like, however difficult it was, it is, and it's continuing to be. Would you show every single one of us here the value of loving you? And that value of loving you is we will become seriously, truly Christ-like. And if we're Christ-like, we can love others like you did. We can be selfless, humble, and on the other side of the coin, we will love like nobody else loves like you. And when we do that, Lord, you will transform us, you will transform our family, and you'll bring in the collateral blessings, collateral uh, um, uh, good things that will happen when we love you with all of our heart, with all of our soul. Help us to reignite, reignite, reignite our love for you. Thank you. Thank you for your spirit. And don't allow us here, Lord, to just take this for granted, but take this seriously. This is our prayer. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.